Welcome to Now on Netflix, or as I like to think of it, oh my god, I have no idea what I am supposed to watch. Help me. I'm Jessica Shaw. We're going to talk about a bunch of things coming out this week, including Reptile, which is the new Benicio Del Toro, Alicia Silverstone thriller. We're going to talk some Wes Anderson. I know there was a lot covered in the fall TV preview specials, but there's a lot more coming out and you probably need some personal curators and we're here for you. So let's start with some Love is Blind drama because there was a lot of that with the first four episodes that came out. There's only one person that we can talk to about that. He is the brilliant editor of Tajum.com. Is he also a geologist? Let's find out. Hello, Henry Goldblatt. Jessica, it is so good to see you as always. I'm so happy to be here. We're in season five now of Love is Blind, and Love is Blind is about these two groups of singles, and they essentially interview each other and figure out if they're compatible. It's amazing. They do this from these pods that have like sofas and like fridges and stuff like that, and they're laying back and they can't see anything about each other. The only thing they know is the thing stuff that other people is telling them. The other reason that I appreciate this show is I feel like they're set up for success because they cast people from the same geographic area. So for example, this year's contestants are all from Houston, as opposed to other dating shows where like there's somebody who's in from Maine and another person who is from I don't know Washington State and we're expecting that they're going to like find love and connection after the show just even though they're 3,000 miles apart like these people actually have a chance I do love some of the questions that they ask and I thought Henry I would pose to you um, one of the questions that someone is asked this is back in episode one so the first four are out by the way we're gonna have seven out by tomorrow this is an episode one not spoiling anything uh someone has asked mary love kill waffles pancakes french toast where do you stand henry this was a pretty easy one for me to be perfectly honest i would marry pancakes i would fornicate with french toast and i would kill waffles Another thing I love about this show, Henry, is uh, Nick Lachey and Vanessa Lachey are back as the hosts. And they are also hosts of The Ultimatum. So I love that they're like Netflix's in-house relationship experts. Why do you love them on this show? I love them on this show because... They have a marriage to aspire to. And like, you forget that they've both been through so much beforehand. Like, he was married to Jessica Simpson for a very, very long time. And remember, is this tuna or is this chicken? Oh, I do. Yes. So that was the level of marriage he's dealing with. And I I feel like they have something to aspire to. I feel like they do a very easy and gracious and fun job as hosts. So like I'm there for them. Whose love life are you particularly invested in this season? Because there's always one person that I'm like, oh my God, this is my person. I am so invested in their finding love. Like I care about their relationship more than my own marriage. I totally get that. I'm going to say that there are three people, Jessica. The first is the couple, Lydia and Milton. I was melting hearing them talk about rocks. I didn't understand a word that they were saying, but I was so thrilled that they found that connection for each other. And he's much younger than she is. And by much, I mean, like 25 versus 32, we're not talking a century or even a generation here. But that gave her some pause and fingers crossed they're going to work this thing out because I just love them together. And then the other one, you know, I don't know if I always have the best taste in men, but the other one I've found myself, I'll say attracted to is Izzy, who's the 31-year-old in sales, has a wonderful shaved head, and he dreams of a girl who would like to join him for some beach volleyball and who doesn't want that? 
I love that. Also, there are some real heartbreaking stories. And he at one point said that he met a girl in a bar and he took his hat off and she basically saw his bald head and ran out. Get her on a show because there needs to be some like trial show about social graces. Absolutely not to that. Jessica, is there anyone who's sticking out to you and like you're so invested in their love story? Milton, for sure. I love Milton so much. I love every question he asks. I love his personality. I just adore him. He needs to have a happily ever after story. And also, I find myself just rooting for Taylor, who is a teacher and she cries all the time. I'm a sucker for reality show contestants who are just bawling, you know, 98% of the time. And I just like, I feel like she really needs something in the win category. I agree with you there. The only problem I have with Taylor is that her bio reads a bit like a chat GPT bio. For example, lying is a deal breaker. Her exes haven't been faithful and her favorite time of year is Christmas. There are other traumas that really broke my heart. Like I think Johnny's mother told her at one point that maybe she should never be in a relationship. That was like a very painful thing to watch. And just note to moms, like that's not something to say to your kids in general, like you're unworthy of love. But who knows, maybe this will be educational for parents out there. Johnny is a lawyer and obviously incredibly intelligent. You can tell from the very first time we meet her. What do you think it's like for Johnny when she goes back to her law firm? This is going to be rough for Johnny because people know too much. They know too much. Any of these people that go back. But Johnny is like, it's out there. For example, like Aaliyah is a travel nurse. And like, I don't care if my travel nurse goes on a reality show to find love. Like, God bless her. She, that doesn't affect her ability to care for me if I need her to care for me. If I'm convicted of securities fraud and Johnny walks in the room as my lawyer, like, I may have some second guesses about her judgment and her life choices. Fair. Don't marry her, Henry. Okay. I will not propose to Johnny. You're a very, very, very beautiful, intelligent woman. I'm not going to propose to you for that in a number of reasons. Do you have hope that some of these couples will actually stay together? No. No, that was too flip of an answer. I really do have hope that some of them stay together. Like, I know we keep talking about them, but... Lydia and Milton have found their soulmates. Like, where else are you going to find somebody who is so deep into science? Like, aside from, like, some science dating website that you and I have no idea about. This is their end game. Oh, my God. And if he doesn't get her the best rock as an engagement ring... The first four episodes of Love is Blind are out now. The first seven will be out by tomorrow. And then the finale, October 13th. I cannot wait. Henry, starting tomorrow, the white tent is back. 12 new amateur bakers competing on collection 11 of the great British baking show. I'm so excited. Where do you stand on the show? Jessica, I'm obsessed with this show for so many reasons. First of all, they call it a collection rather than a season, and that just warms my heart. Secondly, there's a new host by the name of Alison Hammond, who is wonderful and charming and funny, and I think is going to bring a lot of great energy to the tent. And third, I love to see two types of bakers. I love to see the ones who are just so amazingly, intricately talented and create these masterpieces. And then I love to see the failures. And this show does such a great job of casting both types of contestants. Yes, absolutely. If you were going to be perhaps a chef contestant, a chef testant, would you go for Prue or Paul? Paul, 100%. Paul Hollywood Handshake is, I think, the most important seal of approval in all of pop culture. There, I said it. Prue, for a while, I forget what it was. It wasn't a handshake. Maybe it was a hug or something. Prue tried her own signature move like one season. It didn't really work out. And so we're just back to the handshake now. 
I'm team Prue. I love her. She scares me. And I like that. You love a statement necklace, though, and that may be why. You're so right. You absolutely have my number. That's why you have just unpacked my entire relationship. There are two states in which I recommend watching this show. One is if you just need to curl up at night and need something to wash over you, and it's just like wonderful, cozy, relaxed viewing. The second state is it's perfect Saturday morning hungover viewing as well. If by chance you've partaken too much on Friday night and need something to help get your day started on Saturday morning, I've done this in both states and equally enjoyable. It's a visual egg sandwich is what you're saying. Exactly. Reptile combines two things that I love, real estate and excess baggage reunions. To talk about this, I'm so happy to be here with Todoom.com editor Chris Nashawati. Uh, Hey, Chris. Hey, Jessica. Tell us about Reptile. I would love to tell you about Reptile because it's one of the best thrillers I've seen this fall. It is a really white-knuckle, tense thriller about a brutal murder of a young real estate agent. Her fiancé is played by Justin Timberlake, who immediately becomes a suspect. The cop investigating the case uh, is played by Benicio Del Toro, um, and his wife is played by Alicia Silverstone. And so it's all about sort of a procedural that unravels what happened and and sort of plays with your expectations about who did it, who had a motive for doing it, and there's a lot of action. It's a real edge-of-your-seat sort of movie that, frankly, I I don't think they make enough of anymore. You know, 20, 30 years ago, like, there was one of these every week, and, you know, they were great, and I loved them, and then they vanished. So I'm thrilled to see uh, this kind of movie back on screens. I have never seen Alicia Silverstone in a role like this, and for me, it was a revelation. Like, she plays a cop's wife, and there's nothing glamorous about her. Uh, she's, like, really sort of, like, cold, matter-of-fact, like, just the facts. I kind of love her in this role. She could have, like, a whole new chapter. You know what I mean? It's it's really, like, a different role for her, and she is fantastic. I absolutely agree with you. She's great in it. Benicio Del Toro also, like, that guy is just made for a close-up. And he has played characters like this. He is the cop who is married to Alicia Silverstone. He's got some history, and you don't totally know if he's on the up and up or not, but I find him so unbelievably watchable in this kind of role. He's really compelling. He, um, I think, you know, this is the kind of performance that he can do with his eyes closed, which isn't to say he's not trying in this and that it's not an exceptional performance, but it's just right in his wheelhouse and it's nice to see him do it. He actually co-wrote the script as well, which I think, you know, sort of, you know, juices one's performance, right? So, uh, and he has an unhealthy obsession with a certain high-end faucet, which I know is something that you probably really related to um, in this movie. I love anything about real estate or inappropriately expensive faucets. There's a whole B-plot on Selling Sunset this season about a very expensive faucet. And I got to tell you, like, I was all in on it. I feel like there was a crossover that was waiting to happen. This is a movie of great performances. I think that, you know, the thriller aspect of it is really solid. It reminded me a lot of of this Richard Gere movie uh, from, from a while back uh, called Internal Affairs, um, which was really sort of like kinky and strange. 
strange and 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 just like full of all sorts of twists and turns, like whiplash twists and turns. And it also remind me a lot of that movie um, with Elizabeth Olsen and Jeremy Renner from a while back called Wind River. You know, I just like the the procedural aspect to it, but also just the uncertainty you have like throughout the entire movie. It really kept me hanging. Pretty much. All three of these main characters of Benicio Del Toro, Alicia Silverstone, and Justin Timberlake, at any given moment, I am absolutely unclear on if they're good, if they're bad, if they're turning, and it's just, it's a ride to go on. Or if they're both. You know what I mean? Like, I think that's part of the beauty of the movie. It's like, well, maybe, you know, maybe... Maybe you can be both. And and don't forget Eric Bogosian, too, who is like one of those sort of like uh, character actor, you know, MVP guys who turns up in this movie uh, and is like so delicious in every scene he's in. So, yeah, no, this is definitely one to recommend. Absolutely. There's something else I loved about this film, and I've been thinking a lot about music and about scores and what they contribute to the overall tone. And this film opens on Juice Newton, which is like an older reference than Excess Baggage, y'all. But there was something so creepy and ominous about that song, and I just thought it was such a great tone setter for the movie. It's funny how pop songs from when you and I were in grade school have become they've gone past nostalgia into like instantly telegraphing creepiness. This movie is made by a director, Grant Singer, who's, you know, this is his first feature film and you wouldn't know it. I mean, all of those touches that you're talking about, whether it's locations, whether it's, you know, interiors, whether it's the faucet thing, whether it's, you know, the performances, the music, um, it's all really well curated and it doesn't feel like the film of a first time filmmaker. No, absolutely not. Um, Reptile is out on September 29th. Chris, I also want to talk to you about a series of Wes Anderson shorts and I mean, Wes Anderson can be a divisive director, I think. Some people are like all in on his style and there's a cutesiness to it. There's a stylized way that he loves to make films and some people are really turned off by it. I feel like Asteroid City is either a masterpiece or a complete disaster, which was, of course, his last film. What's your stance in that range? I'm more on masterpiece, but I understand how some filmmakers, you can feel like, okay, can you do something different? That said, the wonderful story of Henry Sugar, I could not get enough of. And maybe it's because it's a short film. Maybe it's because it's such a wonderful repairing of Wes Anderson and Roald Dahl. Obviously, Wes made uh, Fantastic Mr. Fox years ago, which is one of my favorite of his films. But we don't see short films anymore. I know. And it's funny because you mentioned like the sort of love it or hate it camps on Wes Anderson. And I feel like the people who don't like him, I think their their sentiment about him is like, oh, a little goes a long way for me. Well, here's a little. You know what I mean? Like this is going to this might work for you. This is a four films based on four short stories by Roald Dahl, Wes Anderson on the record as being a huge fan of the author and his works and grew up reading them. If the name doesn't ring a bell, he wrote Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, James and the Giant Peach, just a sort of legendary kids author, but with darkness, you know, so the sort of marquee movie in this collection of four shorts is the wonderful story of Henry Sugar. I think I should explain the plot a little bit before I get into why, like why it is all so amazing. It's a story about a rich guy who learns about this Eastern guru who can see without using his eyes. And that character is played by Ben Kingsley. Perfect. And then um, he tries to learn this man's secret 
and master that skill so he can cheat at cards, which is just like those wonderful sort of like O. Henry twists at the end, right? And you know something's going to go wrong. So Benedict Cumberbatch plays Henry Sugar. Ray Fiennes plays basically Raw Dahl, who introduces the story and is the narrator. But it's really like, it's a series of like nesting dolls. It's like a story within a story within a story within a story. And the way they accomplish this is like, the set designer, this guy, Adam Stockhausen, who we talked to for a story, he started in the theater. And you can see, like, as the camera's rolling, like, backgrounds will roll out and other ones will come in. And it's like all those dioramas that you love from Wes Anderson movies. It's just so amazingly done and it looks so beautiful and it's so smart and clever. I really think that that is a movie that will stick around for award season just a prediction here but i would guess that you know if i had a live action short i would watch this thing and be like well there go my chances but i also think that you know uh it will introduce people to the art form of short films. People think of like, oh, what's going to be showing in front of, you know, the next Pixar movie and, you know, I Lava You and, and that whole thing, which, by the way, is delightful. But I don't think as movie fans that we necessarily know too many short films. No, and it's 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 funny because I sort of feel like Netflix is the perfect platform for them. I mean, you know. I don't know that I necessarily or people I know would necessarily pay $15 to go see a 37 minute film in the theater. Right. But sometimes you're at home and you turn on Netflix and you're like, I don't want to. It's late. I'm not going to watch a two hour movie. Hey, wait, this Wes Anderson thing is 40 minutes. I can do that. Like, let's check this out. And it feels like in a way the perfect vehicle for that kind of storytelling. And I hope that Netflix continues to give real auteurs like a, a home to, to make those kind of movies because I'd love to see them. So yeah, no, it's, it's really, it's terrific. I really highly recommend that one. Another thing I loved about it is how Wes Anderson gathers this company of actors, many of whom repeat throughout all of the shorts. I mean, Ray Fiennes plays Roald Dahl multiple times. Rupert Friend is in there. And obviously, Wes Anderson has worked with both of those actors before. But there are other people who show up again. Like Ben Kingsley is so good. Dev Patel is amazing. Benedict Cumberbatch is in it. It's just, I love how he casted and I love how he repeats actors. You can just tell they're having fun. You know what I mean? Like, it's almost like he got this group of people he wanted to work with together, some new, some old, and like, let's just go into a soundstage and like, let's play for a few weeks. You know what I mean? The movies have that energy. Every time Dev Patel tells a story, because as you said, there's so many stories inside stories inside stories. So when he is relaying a story, he will say dialogue and then turn to the camera and say, he said. It's so clever and it's so disarming and it really just like brings you right in. You almost feel like you're watching this play with these sets moving back and forth and things being pushed off stage. And, and it's just it's just lovely. I would love to see Wes make 10 more films with Dev Patel. I mean, I think that that actor just dials into his frequency really well. It's a combo that works nicely. Best head of hair in Hollywood? Perhaps. I'm going to have to go, well... No. Yeah, I'm going to give it to you. Dev Patel. Let's okay. do it. Yeah. The Wonderful Story of Henry Sugar is out now, as is The Swan. The Rat Catcher premieres tomorrow. Poison is out on September 30th. Chris Nashawati, thank you so much for joining me and talking to me about the future of short film. Thank you, Jessica. It was a pleasure. 
Let's talk about some other stuff that is coming out this month or in the next couple of weeks. Jessica, there were three comedies I wanted to point out that are coming October 1st, two of which are my favorites and one is just super fun. The first is My Best Friend's Wedding, which is my second favorite romantic comedy of all time, starring Julia Roberts and Dermot Mulroney and Cameron Diaz. Um, Julia Roberts goes on a mission to ruin her best friend's wedding, who is he's marrying Cameron Diaz, and it's a beautiful romantic comedy. The second is House Bunny, starring Anna Faris, and she plays a former Playboy playmate who is enlisted to be the house mother at a sorority. And I wish my voice were deep enough to do the imitation of the voice that she does in the movie. It's incredible. And then lastly is Forgetting Sarah Marshall, which is just a fun comedic romp. And you get to see Jason Segel naked. Uh, yes, you should. so many puppets. So many puppets. One of the movies that I know will cause a lot of conversation is Love Actually, which is also on Netflix starting the 1st of October. I am a passionate hater of this film. I know most people just adore it more than anything. And I feel like now that it's on Netflix, that conversation will come up again and again and again. I'm just going to start fighting with everyone. Listeners cannot see this, but my jaw is literally on the floor. Like it's going to take surgery to reattach my jaw. Jessica, I didn't know this about you after all these years. I know. It's because I'm right and I didn't want to break this to you. Both Sex and the City movies are coming to Netflix the beginning of the month. How do you feel about that? I mean, I, I've seen both, obviously. I enjoy Sex and the City more in an episodic form. Sex and the City 2 is perhaps one of the worst movies of all time, but sometimes you just want to watch one of the worst movies of all time. Couldn't you feel that way about Love Actually? Um, Part of that sentence I do feel about Love Actually. That is true. Henry, thank you so much for letting me sit in the host chair this week. We're going to be back next week. New episodes are available every Thursday. Next time, we're going to be previewing Fair Play, which is a new erotic thriller starring Alden Ehrenreich and Phoebe Denever. But until then, I guess in Love Actually, all you need is love. But here, all you need is Netflix. See you next week. <laughs>